Foster Cow, and Aunt Bella Jenny. With Jason and Amanda, where our mission is to provide strength for the weakest among us. Here we like to talk about foster care and adoption. We tell stories about bio parents, foster parents and foster kids, adoptive parents and adoptive kids, caseworkers, and whoever else can inspire action and encourage understanding of the journey that we and so many others are on. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or any of the major platforms. You can also find us at jasonmpalmer.com. Want to engage with us on our Facebook group? Find the group or page at Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey or facebook.com slash 7 dad. That's a number 7 time dad. Welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey. With Jason. And Amanda. Today, we are going to talk with a young lady named Janelle. Janelle Gilmore is the daughter of Tom and Courtney, who we talked to a couple weeks ago. Um, She is 14 years old and in the ninth grade. How are you doing today, Janelle? I'm doing great. How are you? We are doing wonderful. If we can figure out all this technology stuff. (laughs) <laughs> I leave the technology up to him. I, I can talk, but... She makes me do the hard work, so that's my story. <laughs> Tom and Courtney, when we talked to them, they mentioned you and spoke pretty glowingly about you and said that you would love to tell your story to an audience, and that's what we do here. Part of what we do here is providing strength for the weakest among us, and the way that we do that is to tell stories so that other people can hear what you've been through and have some courage that they can make it through it as well. There's not a lot of foster kids, adopted kids, kids in general, who feel comfortable telling difficult stories. And yeah. so that's why when we talked with Tom and Courtney, we said, hey, and they suggested that you might want to do it. We wanted them to really, you know, have a conversation and make certain that you were okay with it because that's a story that is uniquely yours. Yeah. It's very personal. And... <clears throat> The fact that you're willing to share it so that other kids can hear it. Some kids who might be able to really identify with parts of it so that some other parents can hear it and understand parts of parts of your journey that might line up with parts of their own children's journey. Because the truth of the matter is, as unique as I think I am, you know, we, <laughs> we all have pieces of our journey that resonate with other people. We appreciate you being willing to come on and talk about that today. I guess we'll jump right into it. Um, how long were you in foster care? Um, I was in foster care on and off my entire life. Like, it was on and off. I would go back, and then I would go back to another house, and I would spend a while there, and then I would go back to my biological parents. It was, like, a whole mess. It's, like, it was really stressful because I just was, like, going to these random people's houses that I didn't even know, and it was, like, a lot of pressure for me and my brother, and it was just a lot. I bet it is. Now, your brother's younger than you, right? Yeah. How old is he? He's 13. He's 13. Okay. So, well, you're pretty close in age. I imagine you guys probably have a pretty close connection. Yes, very much. And a lot of people love how our relationship is. We have one of the most greatest brother and sister bonds you probably know. That's, That's amazing. Really awesome. Because I, I know that uh, some of our kiddos, yeah, they fight like cats and dogs on a daily basis. <laughs> they don't always uh, adore one another. That's one way to put it. <laughs> I'm sure you and your brother have never had any disagreements, though, right? 
No, totally. <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple, but we always get past it after. We always make up. That's great. I imagine going through those transitions, having your brother with you is at least being able to uh, give you some peace as you walk through it and to be able to share that experience with somebody who can understand what you're going through. Yes, very much. It it was a lot for him, and we tried to stick together through the entire thing so we know for each other that we were safe and we can just fight together to get through this. That's great because a lot of kids go through those situations without anybody to without anybody else who can really understand it. Mm-hmm. And hang on, I have kids being uh, can you guys hear the kids in the background? No. <laughs> okay. I have kids being noisy. She just wanted to go, I think duct tape them to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so but you know, a lot of kids come into these situations and don't have somebody who can really understand what they've been through. And that's a unique relationship I think that you and your brother have got to have being able to understand the trauma that you guys experience because you know and I don't know your whole story but I do know that trauma is one of those things that is in almost every story when you listen over time you hear people's trauma and even people who haven't been through the things that you've been through you know we all have certain levels of trauma and it's difficult sometimes to explain that to other people but you have that person with you who can do that yeah, which is very nice. <laughs> so you you mentioned you were in a lot of different homes that bounced back and forth. Um, do you know how many homes you were in total? Did you ever keep track? Um, Not that I remember. No, I don't really remember how many homes I was in, but it was on and off with different homes. Okay. Um, well, I just, the reason I ask is because jumping from house to house, I would imagine that that would change your schools and, and, affect your schooling a lot. Did that really affect your the schools you went to and the friends you were able to keep? Um, it definitely affected my school. Um I didn't I wasn't really like close with anyone in school and I was just like kinda like distant from people. Um my school when I a couple of the houses that I went to, I still went to the same school and then some other houses I would have to like kinda like figure out where I could go. They tried to keep me in the same school as they possible. Um, but I wasn't the greatest with school because it was like so much pressure on me. And I was just always thinking about that. And I had something else in my mind and just going to school, it just didn't help the situation. So it was just a lot of pressure on me. So. I can imagine that's a lot of pressure to, to bounce between schools. Cause I think if and I didn't even think about this before, but I went to, one, two, three, four schools, all all in all grown up. And that was, you know, every time we switched schools, that was a difficult situation for me. And I wasn't really in a traumatic place. So yeah. I, and I've heard stories of kids who've been to 12, 14 different schools throughout their throughout their time in, in, in foster care. So that's always a challenge for kids. <clears throat> um, and did you say you didn't have a lot of close friends at school? No, not really, no. What kept, I just kind of like distant. What kept you from from making friends at school? Um, I don't know. I just, I just didn't want to like. I guess I didn't want to bring people into what I was going through, and I just kind of wanted to stay away from that. And I didn't really talk a lot when I was in school, and so it just kind of like kept me away from other people. It was just, I wasn't like the. I was kind of like the shy kid. I would guess I would say maybe a way of protection. Yeah. Were you and your brother always placed in homes together, or were you guys ever separated? 
we were never separated. They tried to keep us together as much as they could. We were, I'm just glad that we were able to stay together because if they would have separated us, I don't know what I would do without him. So I'm really glad they were able to do it because I know that, that that's an issue that we face a lot in, in our areas. A lot of times, sometimes siblings do get separated. And so I was... Yeah. I was really hoping that that wasn't the case for you guys. So that's really, I'm, I'm very happy that you guys were able to stay together. Me too. I guess the big question is, is why did you, why did the state feel it was necessary for you to leave your, your home originally? Um, well, they started figuring out all the problems, the abuse, and just everything that was going on at home, the fighting, the arguing, everything. And they couldn't keep us in that home anymore because me and my brother were just like we need to do something about this we had to tell someone and so they brought us to different houses and then sometimes they would decide okay we're gonna bring them back and see how that goes and then all of a sudden we would go back to another house and they would just it was just like on and off with different houses yeah i can i can imagine what that kind of felt like that had to be a pretty scary place with all that disconnect around you and turmoil and yeah were there i guess were there certain things that you just kind of retreated into were there some things that made life a little bearable when you were going through that um uh i don't really know what that like means by that what do you mean like by bearable I mean, were there certain things like reading or music? Did you have any hobbies? Yeah, um, music was kind of like the music and, um, well, not not the entire time I was in foster care, but when I came to um, my aunt and uncle at the time, I started to go to church because I needed something to help me through this, not just with them because like they would help me through everything and so would my brother i just need something to like express everything to and so i started praying and i thought that was going to help and it really did honestly it got me through a lot and then music also helped too it just got my mind off of everything that was i was going through so it was just nice to have a distraction for me not to have to like i don't know stay away from all that just for like a couple minutes, just get my mind off of it. But at the same time, I would just be rushing through my head and I was just, I don't know. It was just a lot. I mean, that's gotta be a lot. I mean, because the things that you're saying, all the turmoil, the arguing and the fighting, and that's difficult for adults to have to deal with on a regular basis. And you take kids and put them in that place. And that can be a real scary scary thing because it's not even it's nothing that you can even control you don't have control over it somebody else has control over your world and you're just kind of stuck in it yeah um, you know kind of from a scientific experience <coughs> i'm sorry from a scientific side what tends to happen there is um do you know what the amygdala is no okay the amygdala is the a part of the brain that's considered the reptile brain it's where the fight or flight response comes from and when people start doing things like that 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 really hit that part of your brain and turn you to the fight or fight fight or flight place. Most people have a hard time controlling their reaction at that point. As adults, that's part of our job is to figure out how to control that. That's part of being a more mature adult person. Although I will tell you, most adults don't figure that out until a while later in life. But as a kid, that really a lot of times leaves you in a place where you can't handle the situation your reaction doesn't make sense. You act 
kind of crazy sometimes. I have a four-year-old. I know all about it. <laughs> but, but you know, in those moments, that's got to push you into a fight-or-flight place. And, uh, well, actually, from what I understand, it's fight, flight, or freeze. You know, kind of what, what was your response, typically? Did you tend to want to fight against what was going on or run away from it, or did you try and hide? Um, I tried to hide and run away from it both because I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. I just wanted the situation to just stop, and it just didn't. So I tried hiding from it, and I tried running from it, but none of that would help, and it would just make it worse. So it, I just tried everything I could to like stay away from the situation, but nothing would do that. So, Did you ever run away from home? Um, once I did actually, um, but then I ended up just going back because I knew that if I even went any farther, something more terrible would happen to me. And because there was a really bad fight going on in the house at the time and I just couldn't take it anymore. I was just like, I just need to get away from here. Unfortunately, most kids usually realize that it, you know, once they get out, there's not a whole lot of places that you can run safely to. So it's probably a good thing that you went back. Do you remember what the fight was about that day? Um, I, I think it was because, um, I don't even know how to acknowledge him, but, uh, he was drunk that night and he came in the house late and my, they started fighting. So, um, it got out of hand. They started hitting each other and then they blamed it on us. So I tried everything to get away from that situation. That would be a very scary to be a an adult in that position. That would be terrifying. I I can't even imagine, you know, where you're where you are at in your headspace at that point, other than you know, run and and try to save yourself. You know, and it's it's sad that our children are put into that position. And I, I am very sorry that you and your brother had to go through those experiences. Um, I'm glad to see that those seem to be experiences of the past, though. Yeah, me too. Um, and now you have a different perspective on how life life should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did. We started this interview with coming here because you have a story that you want to tell, and mm-hmm. I'm just I I really want to hear what you have to say. Um, <sighs> so instead of me asking you questions or Jason asking you questions, I just want to open it up to you and just. Let you speak and say anything that's on your mind. Tell your story, what you want to say, you know, how you feel. Um, I just want to hand it over to you and give that to you. Yeah. What, what do you have to say that only the world or the world can only hear from Janelle Gilmore? Um, okay. So I might get emotional when I talk about this. Um, Mom, can you <laughs> come here? <laughs> um, so, um, I don't remember how old I was, but my, I'm not going to really say him, but let's just say this guy that was the boyfriend with my biological mom at the time came home really late at night and I was sleeping and, um, I didn't know it. Uh, he came into my room and he started getting touchy with me. And, um, he made me touch him in places that I didn't want to. 
And um, I tried speaking up about it. I tried telling my biological mother about it. She kept saying, oh, no, that's a lie. That's not true. And I tried telling everyone I couldn't. No one would believe me. And the only person that really believed me was my aunt at the time. I had no support during that. And it was just so much on me. And I felt like I didn't know what to do. I couldn't find it for myself. And I tried everything I could to talk to people, to talk to the court, and no one believed me. I judged funny for myself. People kept saying, oh, no, that's a lie. He would never do that. But no one knew who he really was. And I was just glad that I had one person by my side that knew the struggles that I was going through. It was just really hard, and I didn't tell my brother because I didn't want him to get into it, and I didn't want him to get hurt. And it was just, it was just really hard for me. And I just want every girl to know if someone has gone through that, that you need to speak up. Even if people don't believe you, you need to speak up because you need to fight for yourself as much as you can. Because even though people might not believe you, you need to tell your story. Because I'm telling you, you have that one person that will absolutely help you through it and fight with you. And my mom definitely helped me through it. And for the listeners who can't see what's on our screen, by mom, she means Courtney. Yeah. Courtney is her adopted mom. Used to be her biological aunt. Yeah. And foster mom. So, that gets a little bit confusing sometimes for people, but I just want to make sure that we all understand that who who mom is who helped. It's That sounds, coming from, from somebody who didn't experience that, sounds like a terrifying situation for any kid. You know, and the fact that you had one person in the world has got to be, I mean, just one of the saving graces for you. It was definitely helpful. I needed it. Because I was just struggling at the time. I didn't know what to do. I was lost. I bet. You know, I as foster parents, we, we have stories, right? We have stories of kids that we've met. And by being just virtue of being podcasters and, and researching some things, you know, we hear stories. We I've read a lot of stories. And, you know, what you say is just so common. So many times the, you know, the, the mother of a child will look at him and say, you're lying. Sometimes I'll even say, you did it. You seduced him. And that's such a common thing. And the fact that you were able to stay strong enough to stand up for yourself says a lot about your character. Thank you. As difficult of a situation as that can be in your life. I'm curious, is there a couple lessons that you've, that you've been able to pull out of that in your life? Um, one of the top lessons I've learned was to always stay strong and always believe that you can do it. You can just bet a hope for the best for yourself and, um, speak up. That's definitely the one lesson that I've definitely had and I learned from everything that I went through was to just have hope and know that you can get through this no matter what. That's very courageous because a a lot of us will bend and break underneath the pressure, especially as a child, you know, when the people that are supposed to protect you and supposed to believe you don't. And so 
kudos to you. I mean, that you seem like a very amazing young woman. Thank and you. I hope that more young women will hear this. And because of that, you know, hear your story and be able to stand up and stand tall for themselves, you know, because it's a really hard thing to do. It's hard to stand up for yourself, especially in a world where people are telling you, no, 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 no. But you didn't let that stop you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, when we talked to Tom and Courtney a couple of weeks ago, uh, they mentioned that not only are you an amazing young woman who's been through a lot, but they also mentioned the fact that you have a uh, bit of a tendency to stand up for the people who you see need some help and need a voice in your world around you at school. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, of course. Uh, so, um, through middle school, I started going through this program where you help out in school, where you help with the dances and you help with the I, uh, you kids, which are, um, have a disability or they're autistic. And, um, in seventh grade, uh, these three guys were picking on one of the kids and I had to stick up for him. I just don't like when people hurt someone who is autistic or has stuff going on through their life. And I stuck up for them. I called them out and told them, what if you had a family member that was being made fun of because of this? Would you like it? And they just didn't, they stayed back and they stopped because I just hate to see when other people hurt. And I try everything I can to help them out through whatever they're going through. You know, that sounds a lot like what I would call speaking your truth into life. You're talking to some other people about your truths, and it's amazing how, even though nobody would wish for you to go through what you went through, you were able to turn that around into something that could help others. Yeah. And you know, that's something that that most adults don't figure out in life. Most, I, I know plenty of grown men and women who don't figure out how to do that, who, who sit in their, who sit in their hard places and feel sorry for themselves instead of learn a lesson from it and change the world. And it sounds to me like you're changing the world around you and you're only 14. Yeah. According to average statistics, you've got more than 60 years left to continue to change the world. I'm kind of <laughs> excited to see where that goes. Me too. I, I know you don't have a whole lot of connection with your bio parents at this point, but if you were able to ask them any question what, or, or, or say something to them, do you, do you have a question you would ask or, or a message you would want to give them? Um, all I would say was, why? Why do this? to someone why what would make you want to hurt such a young child in that way what would make you do that that's what i would say that's a big question i've heard that question from kids in our home we we have a uh, a story that that i've told more than once but uh, amanda's half sister she called us mom and dad and lived with us for a lot of years, and I remember clearly one day her sitting on my lap and asking exactly that question. You know, why won't they just get their stuff together and take care of me like they're supposed to? And, you know, she never got that answer. Mm-hmm. I don't think most of us will. That That's that's a tough one. 
It, it is a very tough question. Um, you know, and I don't have the answer. I, I, I wish that whenever any of my children came to me with that question, that I had the answer for them. The one thing that I will say, though, is the whys don't change who you are now. You know, you yeah. can take that and you can turn it into anything that you want it to be, you know, and I think that you're where you need to be now. Mm -hmm. you, know, you seem very happy and you and your brother are in a good place and you're being well taken care of. And so if those whys hadn't have happened, you might not be where you are now. No, definitely not. I wouldn't, I don't know where I'd be right now in my life. I would definitely not be in a good spot. <laughs> I, I do have a question. Um, so a while back we did, we, we interviewed your mom and your dad. Um, and before we did that interview, they sent us a link to a, um, a video in Walt Disney. Um, and it was a big surprise for you guys. Um, yeah. Did you guys, did you and your brother have any clue when you went to Disney that, that the outcome was going to be what it was? No, actually, no. We were told that the adoption was moving forward, but we were never told when it was going to happen. But all our mom had said was, it's going to be a magical day. That's all she said. And I, I was like thinking, I was like, maybe it's just like we're going to have a really great time in Disney and all that. But at the same time, I was like, hmm, what is happening? I knew something. But, like, I didn't think it was going to be what the outcome was with the sign saying our adoption day. I didn't think that was going to happen. And, honestly, when it had happened, I broke down into happy tears. And I, I was just relieved because I knew that I was finally going to be able to have a better life with the people that I want to have my life with. That's really awesome because the, the uh, I, I'm not even going to lie. I watched the video and there were tears. <laughs> they were happy tears on my end too, just because I, I had heard a little of your guys' story. So to see something like that was, was really awesome um, to see the smile on you and your brother's face and, and mom and dad. And besides relief, were there any other feelings that were going through your head? Um, not really. It was just, I was just really happy, relieved, and I was just like, finally, I get to be happy and not go through the things I went through, and I was just like, finally, it's just over, and I get to live a happy life with my family that I want to have with, and that's really like all I was just thinking about. <laughs> when you say it was finally over... Can you talk about what you mean by it was over? What what was over? Um, going through foster care, having to go to court every like three, six months, and um, just not moving from house to house all the time was just nice to have something off my back and not weighing me down all the time. And it was also nice because I was struggling a lot and it was just nice to get myself back together to a better spot than I was when I was in foster care. One of the things I've found in my last few years as I've been looking at my life and trying to figure a few things out is that in all the struggles we went through, right? Because I don't know if you know our story very well or not, but the little girl who sat on my lap and asked me why her 
mom and dad couldn't get their stuff together. She she ended up getting really sick a few years ago. And she fought for about nine months. When we lost her, she was 18 years old. So it was it was a difficult time. And it was really easy to fall into the bitterness of that. And one of the things that I feel like really helped pull me out of it was learning to find some gratitude in my day. Find the things that I was grateful for that I still had that I could hold on to so that I didn't just consider the world to be a dangerous and scary place. Did you have any pieces of of things like that that you found yourself reaching towards gratitude for? Um, that's actually a really good question. (laughs) I think, um, oh God, uh, can you break that question down a little bit better? Because I'm trying to like think of things. Sure. You know, I mean, in the middle of our dark places, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's got their dark places, whether it's where you were, you know, what we went through, or somebody who didn't go through anything nearly as traumatic. We all, we've all had our worst day in our life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to be, to look at those things and be angry, to be bitter, to be almost hateful at the world, because it, it gave so much bad to us. But there's... Usually, if we take the time and energy to really look into our lives, there's usually something there that we can be thankful for. And for me, at that moment, you know, I had a wife who loved me. She was struggling just as hard as I was. I had kids who loved me, and they were struggling as well. We had a roof over our heads. I had a job that was fairly understanding for what I was going through. I learned at some point to be thankful for the fact that I had some people in my life. I had a job that that took care of us that also understood we were going through hard times. We had some friends who were who understood we were going through hard times who would show up from time to time with, with a meal, that kind of thing. But there are pieces of the of our life that we had that would that if we didn't have them with us, it would have been a, an even darker place. So and, and Jason language, because he, he's a little long winded sometimes what are you grateful for? Are um, there certain things that, that make it worthwhile? Um, I'm definitely grateful for my mom because she helped me through the toughest times through my life. And she was my biggest support through everything. Um, I'm also really grateful because of the, we had a really great judge because he actually um, finally realized this needs to end. This needs to be final. And these kids need to stay there with them. And I was just grateful to have him say that for us and stand up for us too. And I was really grateful just for all my family. And I had a couple of friends that knew what I was going through. And I was just really grateful for them to really like, okay, this is what's happening. I'm just going to stay by her side and try and help her through the rough times. And it was just nice to have other people there with me going through what I was going through. Well, I'm glad you had a good support system. That can that can really mean a lot. It, yeah. It's good to have people by your side. And I know that Tom and Courtney seem to be very much so by your guys' side. And they've followed you guys, and I think that they would follow you guys to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And to have sure. someone on your side like that, I want to have that on my side. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think having people like that in your life really makes a huge difference because sometimes when in those dark places, it's easy to 
to think about not fighting for yourself. And they give you that courage. As I've gotten older and experienced more and more life, <clears throat> I, I find that somewhere along the line, you start to, to find your purpose in life. And you've experienced a lot more life than most young ladies your age have. Is there something that, that sets your soul on fire that, that you found to be your purpose? Or are you still looking for that? Um, It's both. I'm still looking for it. There are times where I'm just like, maybe this is who I am. Maybe this is what I should be doing. But at other times, I'm like, who am I really? Like, what is... Is this something that could make me who I am? I don't really know. Like, I'm still figuring that out. Even even though I'm only 14, you know, like I still have a long life ahead of me to be able to figure that out. But there's times definitely where I'm just like, hmm, this is definitely who I want to be. You sound very, very strong. Thank you. And that's a good thing. Have you thought about helping other young women that are in the place that you have been? Yes, definitely. I would love to help any young lady that's going through the things that I went through and help motivate them and tell them to stay strong through everything and never lose hope because you never know what the other end of is going to happen. You never know. That's awesome. Girls need that. We need to hear that. We need to know that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't discussed? Anything you want to add or? Um, because ultimately no. it, it's your story and, and we don't know your story. The only really thing is that um, I had two other siblings. Well, half siblings, I would say. Um, but I didn't really, they weren't really, like, with me the entire time because they were taken back. So, yeah, that's really all. And that... Do you want to have a relationship with them? Um, during the, yes, I definitely will say I do miss them. And I wish that there was a way that we could have had them stay. Um, and definitely there's been some times where I'm just like, are they okay? Is what's happening with them? I don't even know what's happening. And sometimes I definitely do get worried about them. Um, but I don't let it get to me all the time because it's better to focus on the good things and the bad things. Because if you just keep focusing on the bad things, they're just going to keep weighing you down. And I know that I have a great family and I shouldn't be always thinking about the bad stuff and always being happy with the family that I have now that I love with all my heart and that I'm glad to have in my life. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying Janelle's story. If you'd like to hear more like it, go to jasonmpalmer.com. Over there you can see all the other episodes of our podcast and you can check out our blog. If you'd like to have your story featured on our podcast, contact us at fostercareuj at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now back to the show. That's awesome. It's a really good way to look at it, you know, especially if it's not something at the moment that you can change. Yeah. Um, Hopefully at some point, maybe, you know, down the line, years later, 
or something, maybe you guys will be able to reconnect at some point. I have to ask because I'm a dad. And a lot of what I do is, yeah, I'm I'm involved in some dad centric groups online, and that's obviously the part that my, where my perspective comes from. Um, I know Tom has been in your life for a long time now, and I also know that for being a young lady who's been through some some abuse that involved men, that can that can create a lot of challenges. And you know, how has you and Tom's relationship been? Um. Honestly, it's been one of the best relationships ever. I never had good relationships with guys, like never been really treated well with them. So having him in my life definitely changed that. And it was just nice to have a dad who loved me with all his heart and would always be there for me. And I really needed someone like that in my life and just glad to have him in my life for a dad. Well, I'm glad you're over, able to overcome that because, you know, the science shows us that that the best outcome for any kid is to be raised in a house with two parents, you know, but most specifically two parents that love them and yeah. learning how to, to, to have a parent who can love you and show you the right way to do that, that that's an important piece of growing up. And <clears throat> quite honestly, having that in your life will also show you a whole lot about how to pick a mate down the road, you know. I know you're probably not thinking about getting married right now. <laughs> no. But there's a good chance that'll happen someday. You just gave mom a heart attack is what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you need to dial 911 for the heart attack, let me know. It's all good. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, realistically, I think that's part of a dad's job is to teach your daughter how to pick a mate. And how to be treated by said mate. Yeah. How to pick the right type of mate that'll treat you correctly. I mean, that's a huge piece of it. And part of, part of that is, well, all of that is the things that we teach by the, by what we do more than what we say. Because I can say a thousand things to my kids and they'll hear it, but they won't process it. All I have to do is one thing for them to see and they'll learn so much through my actions. And so the fact that you have time that Tom there showing you the right way to be treated by a man that that's really powerful so i'm glad you were able to overcome that and that you know you didn't the experience you went through while i'm certain traumatic and terrible was still able to be overcome with a good example later on in life one thing that i did want to ask you um is so not everybody lives in the world of of fairy tales and we don't all get that life what would you say to the young women that are out there that don't have a Tom and a Courtney, what advice would you give them? Um, keep your head up for sure, because if you always have your head down and you're never looking on the bright side, you you won't get anywhere with yourself. You'll just keep bringing yourself down more and more. And um, it might take some time if you have bad relationships with other people, just take time and really get to know those people and be like, should I have these people in my life? Should I not have these people in my life? Like, it's a lot to process for yourself, but you should never doubt. Always have hope for yourself as a young lady, woman, however old you are. Just keep your head up through everything and try to be as positive as you could. I think that's good advice. 
especially when you're going through the dark times, it's it's real easy to let that overcome everything, you know, just kind of become all encompassing to let the darkness take over. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad to see that you haven't done that. You yeah. seem very light and fresh and bubbly and happy and you seem like you're doing really good. And that's awesome to see. I know our viewers can't see you, but they can hear you, but I can see you and you seem very happy. I am. That's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that you're happy. Because it doesn't sound like it was always happy, but there's it seems like in your case there's happiness out there to be had. Yeah. I'm glad you found that. I'm I'm glad that you found a place. It sounds kind of funny because it's kind of cliche and everybody hears it, but I'm glad that you found a place to call home. I think too it's it's easy to to struggle in our hard places and not learn how to smile. And this is obviously an audio platform, so it's hard to hard to see what's going on, but even in your voice you can hear the smile show up. So that's that's awesome that you've gotten to the place where you can have a smile again. Thank you. What kind of goals do you have set for yourself in the future? Um, that's, I have a couple actually. Um, one of the goals for myself in the future is to help others as much as you can, even though you can't help everyone to just try and help out for myself, I really want to like be an actress and sing because that's like one of my biggest passions for myself. And I just want to be able to do everything I can to help the world out. That's definitely the two main goals for my life that I really, really want. That's awesome. What do you like to sing? Um, really anything, honestly. Um, I'm into a lot of different like types of music, a lot of like rock and pop and all that um one of the one of my favorite artists is definitely taylor swift because i've loved her music for so long now and a lot of her music inspires me too and um she's like definitely one of my inspiration celebrities because she always she went through rough time but not like the times i did but she definitely went through some rough times in her life and it also showed me to like keep my head up too so it's just nice to have more people in your life to show you that you can also be happy yeah tom i if i remember right tom mentioned that he introduced you guys to some questionable music (laughs) yeah Yeah, i do believe that was what he said questionable (laughs) But that, that's a big thing for a lot of kids. I know my own kids, you know, even, you know, after we went through through the tough time of losing a daughter, I know that was a place where our kids kind of um, kind of disappeared off into was some music because it was a piece of, of life that helped them help them cope with their struggles. Yeah. Is that what, you know, is that what you used it for, do you think? or is- Yeah, I definitely used that because it just helped me be my quiet place just to like think about everything just like process it and just like keep myself just calm and it's definitely something that helped me out what's your favorite taylor swift song (laughs) probably uh shake it off even though it's one of her older songs but that's definitely one of my favorite songs i would say i would have to agree because i think it's the only one i know of off the top of my head (laughs) (laughs) No, I've heard some great things about, you know, 
I obviously don't look like your average Taylor Swift fan. Um, <laughs> most of them don't have a beard. <laughs> but that's I, probably a good thing. Probably. Just, just throwing that out. But there. I have heard that the, you know in her concerts, you know, she has quite a message that she shares, and that she's she's an artist who really shares a message of hope with young girls. Mm-hmm. And ha- have you had an opportunity to go to one of her concerts? Yes, actually, I did for uh, my 11th birthday. I went to one of her concerts, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was so cool and so much fun. It was it was like it was just me and my mom, and it was like kind of like a mother daughter type thing, which is really nice, and I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that you have the experience of that. You know, just the mother and daughter bonding time. Too often, we as parents we get busy. We get busy and we get wrapped up in our world and we leave our children by the wayside sometimes. So I think that's really important to make sure that you take time. And it sounds like your mom and dad really take time with you guys and pour into experiences and memories. Do you have a favorite experience so far or memory? Um, one of my top ones of like everything was definitely the adoption because honestly I couldn't ask for anything better that day I was just like full of happiness and um there's been definitely been many experiences me and my family have had um I went on uh the Appalachian Trail for four days with my dad and it was nice to have that much time with my dad to really like bond a bit more and just like is just have like daughter and dad time. It was really nice. And it's, I feel like I have really special bonds with my parents, which is really nice because it's like easier to be able to have a better bond with your parents. Cause I know some kids don't really have that type of bond. And um, it's just nice to know that I have really amazing parents. Did you ever think when you were going through your hard times and in and out of care. Did you ever see yourself being able to bond with a dad and go and do things like that and feel okay in that situation? Um, when I was going through everything, no, honestly, I didn't think I was going to have the relationship I did that I do have with my dad. I thought I was just, okay. I literally thought I was just going to be in that situation for my life entire life honestly i didn't think i was going to be where i am today what would you say to your dad um if he wasn't out busy fishing right now yeah if he, if he wasn't fishing <laughs> what words would you would you like to say to him i would say just thank you for everything thank you for being the dad you are to me now and just thank you for staying strong and always giving me good lessons for my life and just being a great dad and having a special fun that we have now. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad that you have that relationship with your dad, especially from your past. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you had the experience with a great male role model to show you that not all men are evil. Yeah. And the strength and willingness to explore that as a possibility. Yeah. That I, I can only imagine what was what was going through your head when you started that relationship 
with Tom, the fears and, and all of that. I can't imagine how that felt for you, but I'm glad that you have that now and you're able to open up and be able to experience that. Me too. <laughs> well, as I remember the story, <clears throat> Courtney's been involved in your life since the day go, right? Yeah. And Tom came in at some point along that along that line. What was that like the first time you met him? Do you remember the first time you met him? Um, yes, I do remember the first time I met him. I was, I'm at the time I was like really shy, but he really seemed he didn't seem like the other men that I knew in my life. He seemed such like a good guy, and it was nice to like because when I had first met him, I'm like. I just had this feeling like he was a good person and it was just nice to know that inside because I'd never had a good experience with guys. So it was just nice to like know that this guy is a really good guy. Like I didn't even really know him. I just met him and I had this feeling like he's a really nice person and really good person. That's one of the interesting side effects of trauma is that you tend to learn to read people really well. Do you find that in the rest of your life when you meet people that you have a strong reaction towards people, whether they're good or bad? Yes. And it's kind of, like, helpful at times, too, because, like, you know, okay, this person just isn't right for you. Just, like, and it's nice because it was just nice to be able to know that, this guy, he's a good person. I didn't even know him, and it was just nice to have that feeling like this person's a good person. And I would also assume with your relationship with Courtney, your your mom now, because she brought him into your life, there was mm-hmm. probably, you know, that made it a little bit easier. Okay, this is someone who has my best interest at heart. I know she's not going to mm-hmm. willingly do me harm. Yeah. And that's that's really good because you were able to trust in that when so many other adults that you should have been able to trust in failed you. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to Courtney? I know she's been there forever, but mm-hmm. I see the way you two interact and the way you light up when you talk about your mom. What would you say to her? Um... Thank you for inspiring me to do good and thank you for being the best mother that I could ever have in my life. And just thank you for everything, being strong with me and just being the best person I know. Now, remember that when she tells you to turn the music down, it's too loud. I have kids, I know. Just before we started this, I had to turn a concert off that was going on right over our heads over here. <laughs> yeah, there was a massive text message that went out. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were listening to Freebird. Do you feel like you were able to say everything that you wanted to say? Yes, very much. It was just nice to get all that stuff off my shoulder to just like talk about and like tell everyone about my story. I'm glad to be able to give you that opportunity. Um, it, it makes it makes me happy. It makes me feel like I'm like I'm doing something good, <laughs> which is why Jason and I do what we do. Um, it helps fill my cup. This is what helps me is to help kids. Um, my past was not always the greatest. 
I should have been foster care. I should have been in a safe place. And I wasn't a lot of my life. And so it, it makes me feel good to be able to help other kids find their place and to find their voice and to be able to speak up. So I just want to thank you so much for your time and for your honesty and your rawness. And your willingness to be vulnerable, because I think that's that's the piece that you're going to find as you go forward is the most powerful thing, is being vulnerable. I actually had to look this up a while back to understand what it really meant. Vulnerable means that you're able to be wounded. It means that you're telling a story in a way where somebody else might not treat your story very well. And being willing to tell that story, what you'll learn is you will be able to help so many people. The amount of, of people you can you can change their lives by just telling your story. And that strength alone is is incredible. That will change your life. So I'm really glad that you're willing to come on and tell your story so that anybody across well, across the world, quite frankly, can find it because with this podcast we we have some analytics that we get and I mean, we've reached to strange countries. You know, there's people in Morocco downloading this. And we've got New Zealanders and Australia and... All over the place. It was really kind of surprising. Yeah, Germany and, and Brazil and Colombia, all over the place. It's it's a worldwide platform. So your voice has the ability to reach out across the world to pretty much anywhere but maybe North Korea. Because I don't think they're letting us over there yet. <laughs> but, but quite frankly, you know, your voice has the ability to reach across the world and tell people your story of strength. And I'm glad to be able to tell that to everybody. Is Courtney still hiding off the screen? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say, Mom? Um, uh, just so I've become quite an advocate for young women who are not just in foster care that, you know, some of these girls get sexually assaulted at home and, um, at six years old, you don't know the right words for things sometimes. So I always say to girls, parents, fathers, sons, whatever, teach your kids the right words. No more cutesy words. Because that's was one of the things that really she had used one of the cutesy words. And the detective said, well, she couldn't say the word. So we're not going to do anything. And... I will scream that from the mountaintops to the day I die to <laughs> teach your kids the right words, not those. It, it, it's very uncomfortable to say them sometimes with them, but I truly believe that it could have saved Janelle a lot sooner had she known the proper words. Now, we're a very big advocate of that in our home. We use proper terms for proper body parts. It's yeah. It's very important as parents and as a society that just because it's uncomfortable uncomfortable to say vagina and penis right that's what it is but the truth is is that that's that's an elbow and that's a wrist and it's just the name of a body part and it's only uncomfortable because we as yep. parents don't take the time to make it comfortable and we've had some some interesting moments when our kids are open uh, we have a 4 year old i mentioned a crazy 4 year old Who's very open about discussing his penis anywhere and everywhere with people. <laughs> you know, and, and people might look at you funny, but you know what? I don't care. Yep, and that's the same thing for me. I don't I don't shush them 
because I want them there. There may be a time in their life where they need to be able to say those words. And if you're shushing them now and someone says, oh, no, you don't need to say it. They're going to listen to that. You know, I. I Not only that, by doing that, it makes those words feel shameful. Yeah, exactly. And they're your body parts and they shouldn't feel that way. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was, um, it was the hardest battle of my life to get someone to actually listen. And even to this day, they, they don't necessarily have it on record that they believe that it happened. We've had caseworkers say to us, yeah, we know that this happened. But then we've also had those same caseworkers say, well, he was doing a lot of drinking. So it was almost like, uh, yeah, we believe you, but here's the excuse why. And I, Never wanted Janelle to feel like it's okay for an adult to make an excuse for an adult for that. Absolutely. There's there's nothing excusable about it. There's no excuse that is ever justifiable to violate someone else. Right. Right. And, you know, and with doing and going through what she's gone through, it's helped us teach her proper boundaries and... If you're uncomfortable in any situation, I mean, we, we drop her off for dances and hanging out with friends and we tell her no matter what, if you're uncomfortable in a situation and you feel that uncomfortableness, call us. We don't care. We'll come get you. You just have to. I'm going to try and remember what this was. You sent me something the other day, Project X or something like that. It was a post on Facebook that if a kid is somewhere and they feel uncomfortable, Oh yes, I did. I want to say that I want to say they called it Project X because you would just text something as simple as like a letter X to to your, your parents, parents or and they that. knew to call you at that moment and right. come That's up a with a reason. Idea. You have to come home into an emergency. Where are you at? I'm coming to get you. Yep. And that gives you that easy out. So no, where yep. you, a child doesn't have to a teenager doesn't have to call and say, "Mom, I'm uncomfortable here in front of your friends." Right. You know, right. it, it gives them an exactly. easy way to get help without pick outing up, themselves. Pick up a phone and, and send just the letter X to a parent, and mm-hmm. that's all it takes to get get somebody out of a, out of a tough you situation. Know, or, or have a code word with your kids. You know, yep. have a system in place. But I do want to say, I admire both of you so much. I I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. That can always be a difficult thing to do. And as you were sharing your story, I had tears in my eyes. Um, I've been a young woman. I've also been a young woman that wasn't listened to. So I do admire your courage to come out and say, this is who I am, and I'm okay with that. And that's a great place to be. And I also want to say to you, Courtney, thank you, Mama, for fighting the fight for your babies. Absolutely. It was a... a me against the world at a moment, you know, everyone, well, how come everybody else doesn't believe, doesn't believe her, but you believe her. And I said, you know what? It's our job to believe her first. It's your job to prove to me that it didn't happen. And no one ever proved to me that it didn't happen. They just kept saying that it didn't happen. So, and it was something I actually had to teach Tom too, was as parents, we have to believe first. It's their job to prove to us. That didn't happen. I don't want a child, whether it's Janelle or Elijah or anyone else that was in our home. We've had other kids in our home that have had similar experiences. 
and were shocked that I was willing to get down in the dirt for them because nobody else was believing them. We have to believe our kids first. It's their, it's the system's job to prove to us that it didn't happen. Absolutely. Because if you got the proof that it didn't happen, then you show me. But if you yep. can't prove to me, then right, I don't want to hear a word you've got to say. And his, um, his or her or whoever's doing the hurting word is not enough. No. It needs to be more than that. If you're requiring a six-year-old to say the word penis, and I'm requiring you as an adult to prove to me more, and I would do, do I want anyone in my life to go through that again? No. Would I get just down and dirty as I had to? In a heartbeat. And I'm, I'm a survivor of sexual assault myself. I know what it feels like. I was older. I can't imagine what it feels like for a six-year-old. But I would, I didn't have that person in my life that believed me. It was the same thing. You seduce them. You're, you're always so friendly with them. You know, there was always reasons and excuses. And I always said to myself, if a child ever came to me and said, this is what's happening to me. I mean, I whipped my car over on the middle of the highway and called the police in the middle of like a major highway because I wasn't playing. And I drove myself and this girl to my local police department when we got back to Jersey. And I said, this is what happened. And they put us under like surveillance so the parents couldn't come back. I wasn't playing. And I was, I, I had the hard job of calling my sister and saying, by law, I have to let you know that I'm not returning your child. And that's what I had to do. And I do all of it again to just keep her safe. That's an awesome, awesome, awesome story. And I'm so glad that you guys were, the universe put you guys together for a reason. <laughs> yep. My little schlup. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, ladies, for your time. You're your welcome. Honesty. It's it's been great. I think yeah, we need more really. more stories, especially more stories of strong women for for other young women. Yes, we have to stand up and and be willing to take care of one another. We also, I just, I also want to say that sexual abuse doesn't just happen to girls either. Oh, if oh, you're a young no. man out there. We we you have need to fight, to fight and stand for yourselves well. too. You know, it's it's not something that just happens to girls, and it's not just men that do the sexual assaulting. Absolutely, it's not. There are yeah. plenty. Yeah. There's plenty of evil people out there. Mom. So if you need help, reach out. Someone will help you. Just keep reaching until you find that person. Find your adult. Find your your person that's willing to battle for you. I appreciate you guys coming on and talking. I know that I know that it's hard and I also know that it's important. Yep. Thanks for listening. I hope Janelle's courage has inspired someone to tell their story and begin the healing process. If you would like your story of foster care or adoption to be featured on our show, please email us at fostercareuj at gmail.com or come by the website at jasonmpalmer.com. Click on the Contact Us tab, and while you're there, check out the blog post and all the other podcasts. If you'd like to engage with us, you can find us on our Facebook page at Foster Care, an Unparalleled Journey, or facebook.com slash 7timedad. That's the number 7timedad. We would love to hear your story and give you a platform to begin your healing. As always, if you know of any child in danger of being neglected or abused, contact your local authorities 
or 1-800-4-CHILD.